think I think Steve's saying that basically, like, if Ryan, like, if you decided to say that you were starting Ryan's Islam fun time, and uh, <laughs> and you started inviting people over, and you had a Quran, and you were somewhat familiar with the religion, you uh, that doesn't mean that you're part of the religion. Like, <laughs> like the greater the greater Islamic community is not going to recognize. Oh yes, Ryan's Islamic fun time show hour. <laughs> Is the place to be. Yeah, because that's the because opening right there, by the way. That's the opening. <laughs> Welcome back to the Trilateral Troika. This is Steve along with the other Steve. Hi. And Ryan. That was a good one. That's good. Fuck. I love Michelob Ultra. What is, what is that? <laughs> um, it's a ginger beer to get mixed in with my Tullamore Dew. Ah, that's uh, nice, dude. Nice. That, is it? That, that's a good combo. Is it that like Jamaican shit from the International Isle at Publix? Hmm? <laughs> no, it's <laughs> Jamaican ginger beer. It's got that fun font on it. No, this is the one. It's uh, Gosling's. It's got the seal if on the you, front named Stormy. If you want a good meal, you got to get some oxtail. Yeah. With some with some ginger beer. Yeah, that, it's the year of the ox. Meal. It's the year of the ox. Yeah. Appropriate. Happy Lunar New Year, everyone. Happy Lunar New Year. I forget how to say it in uh, Chinese, Steve. How do you say it? It's like Gongxi Fasai. Yeah, Gongxi Fasai. It's like, it's something like that. It sounds familiar. How long did you live in China? Three years. Three years. That's Which so is cool. It's like China living in China for three years. It's like dog years everywhere else. <laughs> there was. That's so like spending there two was, decades. <laughs> there was one year where I was like, my last year was in Shanghai. Like me and some some friends, we were we were drinking at a bar, and, and they sort of like we had drank there before, and they had sort of like made themselves like the southern bar. And it was me and a coworker who's from West Virginia, which me and him were sort of kindred spirits, because people were like, "China's pretty crazy," but we were also like, "We're from the South, and the South <laughs> is pretty crazy." We're so. from West Virginia. I don't think yeah, he's he's from West Virginia, and I'm from Florida, so <laughs> like, this, this isn't that crazy. Like, yeah. <laughs> but we we stayed there until like midnight. And then we had to walk back to where we lived. So I walked across half of Shanghai that night because <laughs> because they stopped running the, um, the the subways before midnight uh-huh. for whatever reason. Like they were just like nobody nobody needs to use them. So and you couldn't get a taxi because they were all taken. So we literally walked like ten miles that night. <laughs> Just from that bar buzz. Back, back to where we lived which wasn't that far like from where we lived in, in terms of like the french concession to like um to to the area in shanghai where we lived in wasn't that far but but relatively speaking it was still like a 10 mile walk what is the french concession is that where they sell a bunch of croissants and like flaky pastries we oui, we oui. not not anymore it was just the area that like the French had controlled during okay. the period of the unequal treaties in Shanghai. Gotcha. And this is the other thing I was going to ask you. You keep saying Shanghai. Am I an ignorant like Westerner by saying Shanghai? Well, you are. You you ignorant cunt. But 
<laughs> yeah, you're absolutely you absolutely are, dude. In fact, I can't believe no, no. Who the fuck cares how you it. say? It? Who the fuck cares? It's not your language. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, like it, it's all right to say Shanghai. Like I'm not gonna like be anybody like like no, it's Shanghai. Well, I've always grown up with Shanghai. I've always thought it was like Shanghai. Well, yeah, because your reference point is Shang Tsung. Yeah. <laughs> so that's your reference, but a lot of people's reference point to China is Mortal Kombat, you know? Oh my god. Or Chinese food, you know? Actually, my reference to just Asian culture in general is Beverly Hills Ninja. The oh my well, god. You know, well, you know, for the longest Hero. time, I thought Goro was the, uh, the premier of China, so. <laughs> He's undefeated, man. Oh, shit. He's got all those arms. Yeah, well, he's got to carry each head of the state, you know? <laughs> so what are we talking about, Steve? China? Well, well, today we're going to be talking about some missing people. Uh, the first one we're going to talk about is Ambrose Bierce, who was a, a an author of ah, the, the, the late 19th century, early 1900s, um, who just suddenly disappeared. And then after that, we're going to be talking about uh, Wallace Fard Muhammad. Ooh, okay. I love the Devil's Dictionary, by the way. It is one of my favorite books ever. Which is, which is not to to cut it short, is is one of Ambrose Bierce's um, works. Is that he was the man who created the Devil's Dictionary? You ever heard of that, Ryan? Uh, what? The Devil's Dictionary. Oh, um, I've heard of it. I've never like oh, read it. Never seen it's it. So it's so funny. I definitely recommend reading it. It's so funny. He's he's pretty awesome, and especially considering the fact that he made that around like the turn of the twentieth century, and and we'll come to find out that Ambrose Bierce is kind of a badass because he fought in the American Civil War. Like he wasn't just one of those guys that was like was just like working as like a medic or whatever the americans of war like he actually fought in it ambrose bierce has the most amazing mustache i think of anybody we've talked about like it is even stalin i mean St- we've talked about stalin yeah Bro. stalin stalin has a very full he's got a very full very mustache. good mustache <laughs> mr bierce has a very regal for lack of a better word mustache. yeah yeah his he mustache does. is amazing I've never seen. I've I haven't seen him before. That's a good mustache. It's and, kind of and like he, a Colonel Mustard from Clue. Yeah, and, and he's kind of protected because he wasn't involved in the. He has stairs in his house. Like <laughs> he wasn't involved in sort of like the uh, the oppression of people. Also, he wasn't a complete dickhead. Yeah. All right. So um, Ambrose Pierce was born. Um, in a log cabin at Horse Horse Cave Creek in Meeks County, Ohio, on June twenty fourth, eighteen forty two. Um his father was Marcus Aurelius Bierce and his mother was Laura Sherwood Bierce. I'm sorry, his father was Marcus Aurelius <laughs> Bierce. Yeah. Who who is yeah. that again? <laughs> no known Roman Emperor, one of my favorite historical figures. Father to a murdered son? Sister to a murdered husband, wife, husband, brother to a laundry uh, mate, husband to a sister, wife, what? Sister to a unsullied cat. I'm sure no relation though, right? Um, 
So he was. Um, he was <laughs> He's like, I don't know. There might be a relation there. I can't Just deny that. Just skips it. Jesus. All right. So he was. <laughs> that that's lost to history. We can't go into that. Oh, okay. 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 Um. So he was the tenth of thirteen children. Jesus. He's the Irish. Um, <laughs> nice Catholic. So. <laughs> 13 children Catholic. Um, so His all the children really likes sex. Were, give, were given names by their father that began with the letter A. Um, so of his siblings, um, they were Abigail, Amelia, Ann, Addison, Aurelius, Augustus, Amita, Andrew, <laughs> Albert, Ambrose, Arthur, Adelia, and Aurelia. Amy, Alice, Alexander, Archie, Ava, Alfie, Amelia, Arnold. Uh, you're just making me think of uh, Cletus from The Simpsons. And he's naming off his kids. <laughs> Adelia, Cletus, Cletus Jr. <laughs> Why couldn't it be something easy like George it Foreman? Is- it is, He's got it like is not known. Kids named George Foreman. Yeah. <laughs> it, George? it is not known if any of them, you know, cut their hand on a on a uh, screen door. Jesus. <laughs> like Cletus. Uh, uh. Um, though, though, oddly enough, w- which I think should be noted, is that Beers grew up in um, uh, Kosciuszko County, Indiana. Um. Which is named after the famous revolutionary hero who was a Polish national, um, Kosicku. Oh, I've never heard of him before, and I grew nope. up around the Polish. Yeah, not he not, was. Not um, heavy on my he Polish he was like a Polish. He was a Polish national that fought the American Revolution, and then he went back to Poland and fought for revolution there, and was eventually defeated. But um, he he was just generally considered to be like a hero of that revolution and also as a Polish national hero. But anyways, he grew up in that county in Indiana. Okay. Um, and, and he also attended uh, high school at the county seat of that county, which was Warsaw. In Indiana? Yeah. Okay. Alright. Hmm. Um, so at 15, he leaves home. He becomes what's called a printer's devil. Um, which is a type of apprentice for a printer. A printer's devil, okay. And, and this is at a small abolitionist newspaper um, at that time in, in northern Indiana. Okay. Um, he, he briefly um, attends the Kentucky Military Institute before it's burned down. Um, and at the start of the American Civil War, um, he enlists in the Union Army's 9th Indiana Infantry um, on the side of the Union. Do we know why the Kentucky Military School burned down? Uh, I It's not given, but I'm, I'm assuming either like a horse or a cow like kicked a lantern or... <laughs> yeah, because everything was made out of like straw back then, right? Yeah, I, I'm assuming every military institute burned down every other weekend. <laughs> due to like animal or student misadventure someone just someone was overnight. someone had a, a bowl of soup and they were just trying to cool it off but they were actually blowing some of the heat onto the building 
they tried to eat the soup, but it was too hot. And they're like, ah, oh, the soup's too hot. And then when they threw the bowl, they hit a candle and it set fire to the building. <laughs> um, so while he's in the American Civil War, um, he serves in operations in Western Virginia. And he was president at the Battle of Philippi, um, which is actually like the first organized um, land battle of the American Civil War. Um, the Battle of Bull Run's kind of disorganized. Like, everybody shows up, but nobody knows what they're doing. Like, a common trait <laughs> of the Battle of Bull Run is that a lot of the units that are in it are, are sort of like state units, what we consider National Guard today. Mm-hmm. And they have their own uniforms. And, like, people who are on the Union side fire on people who are on the Union side, and likewise on the Confederacy, because there's no uniform like uniform between them and they don't really know what's going on so they're just sort of attacking each other so it wasn't blue versus gray well it it wasn't yet blue versus gray it was just sort of like they didn't know what was going on that's all i know just sort of attacking each other blue versus gray is the civil war blue and red is crips and bloods like you got to relate it to like you know who versus who (laughs) if you just got a bunch of people just running around plain clothes it sucks yeah, yeah you like, can't even t- basketball can't shirts tell. and skins. Dude, you gotta- it's 2021, and you still have uh, several casualties a year, probably more than I'm even saying, that are friendly fire from unidentified targets in the United <laughs> States military. <laughs> Why do you think we lost in Vietnam and Iraq that's and what, Afghanistan? That's what killed Pat Tillman. Because they're wearing plain clothes. We don't know who they are. Isn't that what killed Pat <laughs> Tillman? Like, friendly fire? Did he die of friendly fire? Pat Tillman was murdered. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. 100%. Pat Tillman was just getting a scratch-off at the convenience store. <laughs> at the convenience store in Tehran. <laughs> I don't, I don't Why think is he there? Why is he in Tehran? <laughs> but anyways, um, so Beers is at this battle. Um, and at the Battle of Philippi, um, he received newspaper attention because of his rescue um, under fire from the enemy of of his gravely wounded comet, uh, comrades at the Battle of Rich Mountain. Okay. Um. So so already he's you know he's decorated. He's shown his ability in battle. Um, people know about him. Um, he also fought at the Battle of Shiloh. Um, which, if you know anything about the American Civil War, the Battle of Shiloh is generally considered to be, like, one of the most harrowing battles of the Civil War. How about that? That's like the Stalingrad of the Civil War, wasn't it? I I wouldn't go that far, but it was pretty bad. Okay. Um, and, and he also wrote a memoir about it um, titled What I Saw at Shiloh. Okay. Because you have to remember, Ambrose Beers goes on to be an author... Um, and a journalist, so he writes about his past experiences as a military veteran. Okay. Um, in April of 1863, um, he's commissioned as a first lieutenant um, and served as the staff of General William Babcock Hazen um, as a topographical engineer, uh, making maps of battlefields for him. And, and his general uh, generally believed that Beers would um, graduate from the military academy with quote-unquote distinction um, and William Tecumseh Sherman also endorsed the application <laughs> for admission um, so you know My he's dog. one of the good ones if Sherman is behind him hell yeah alright I like this guy now 
Oh, oh, Sherman. Oh, okay. <laughs> the, the, the great the general Sherman. Already Sherman, as opposed to the general Sherman. <laughs> and in June of 1864, um, Bierce would sustain a traumatic brain injury at the Battle of Kennesaw Mountain, um, and he'd spend the rest of the summer on furlough. Um, and he would eventually return to active duty in September of that year. Um, he would eventually be discharged from the Army in January of 1865. Okay. Um, eventually, he would resume his military career um, in mid-1866, um, when he would again serve under General Hazen um, as part of an expedition to expect um, military outposts on the Great Plains. <clears throat> I just want to go back real quick because you said in June he had a traumatic brain injury and then in September he was back. So we're talking like 60 days. Yeah, you so, know, he, so he got the, over it. So so this guy's kind of <laughs> like a tank. Like he, he it's, 18, like, like, it's 1860. I mean, like he doesn't, they don't fucking know. How, is he how's like a your brain doing? Like, he, takes a lick he's and on, keeps on ticking. Well, see, well what happened he's was... He's on NFL rules. They, uh, they, uh, <laughs> They trepanned him uh, after he got hurt, and he's feeling better. So, I just—it's stuck he's with on, me. I was like, Wait he's minute, on NFL rules. <laughs> like, can you see straight? All right, he's good to go. Can you get a shot on this table during halftime? All right, cool. Get it back on. What's there. the capital of Wisconsin? Sheboygan. All right, good. You're wrong, but well, at least he got you a Wisconsin a, city. It's you said a name, so that's good. It's like he—it was like my mom's rules. Like back in the day, if I hit my head, what's your name? What's your address? <laughs> What's your date of birth? You know, she had always asked me because she had been a, nur- a nurse in training. You know, it's like, all right, he's fine. You know, we'll be all right. Get him back out there in the fucking war. <laughs> His, um... <laughs> As a side note, real quick, <laughs> my roommate's brother is texting us. Because he's got his kids playing basketball. The kids are 9 and 10 years old, right? So they're playing, like, youth league basketball. He goes, there's this group of moms sitting in the front row. And he goes, I'm dying because they're talking shit to their kids the whole time. Screaming at these little 10-year-olds. He goes, the one just screamed at her kid, listen, why don't you get off the court and sit down, being you don't want to score. Let somebody else get a Oh, my God. <laughs> and he was That's like, I like- can't be mad. She's yelling at her own goddamn kid. He goes, I wanted to yell at my own kid. He's like, I want to yell at Gage. He goes, get off the court. You listen to them, too. You don't want to score? My goddamn court. My, my sister is uh, mentally um, handicapped. And... <laughs> My my dad would end up being the coach of like the the disabled soccer team, which yeah. was all like, right. which was just sort of like the Special Olympics soccer yeah. team. Yeah, yeah. And 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 he would coach it, but like I would have to go sometimes when I was still in like high school or whatever, and just sort of hang out, but just watching the normal like soccer dads, like just 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 handle their teams where they're just sort of like screaming at them it's almost like will ferrell like get off the shed it's literally get <laughs> but, off the shed with the soccer team it's like, non-stop yeah. it's non-stop get off the shed i've i have seen grown men get in the face of people who do that so i generally yeah. had a positive sports experience except for those days like yeah. they would be shitting on their own sons from like the stands like are you serious dude he's a fucking kid <laughs> what the yeah. hell do you want yeah. from and him? they're like 10 year olds like they're like yeah they're like yeah if you don't 
you don't get that gold, Jimmy, you're out of the family. Yeah. It's like, he's, he's fucking 10, dude. Get over it. Dad, can I put... Dad, can I put... Roasting these kids, like, in a funny way. Right. Like, that's fucking hilarious. You don't yeah. want to score all of these other kids get a chance. Can I put <laughs> books on this shelf, Dad? No. That is the shelf for the trophies that you can get. And you may only he has, he has some good shelf. odds on these games, so don't don't fuck it up. So, so Beers rejoins the military um, in, in mid of 1866. Um, he, he sort of goes with General Hazen and um, does an expedition where they, they sort of look over... Um, just sort of positions in Omaha, Nebraska, um, and eventually San Francisco and Carolina, in California. I mean, what was he doing? He was just like looking at shit. Well, the the military would go through and they'd make sure you know that the positions were were well enough that they could fight off um, an attempted attack by the non-existent native um, resistance of that time. Gotcha. And, it, and not to say, like, it was non-existent in the point where, like, they, they were weak. It was just non-existent at that point because the United States military had just sort of, like, decimated the, the Native American population by that point where they couldn't fight back. Yeah, I was going to say, San um, Francisco's a thing at this point. Like, <laughs> I think it's over for them. Because after, like, Wounded Knee, the U.S. military just goes whole hog into just, like, killing every Native American they can and just sort of picking up the pieces afterwards. So it's not like they really need to have to fight any resistance at that point. Genocide, not just for the Nazis. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, so eventually Bierce would marry um, Mary Allen um, Day on December 25th, 1871. Her nickname was uh, Molly. <laughs> um, they would eventually have three children. Um, they would have sons Day, who was born on 1872, Lay, who was born on 1874, Wait. and a daughter named Helen. Who ah, was born they on fucked up. Yeah, last the daughter's name should have been like Way or Gray. Paper. No, it should have been Paper. Day, Lee, Paper. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, but, but unfortunately, um, both of Beers' sons would die before him. Um, Day would die on 1889 so he would die at the age of 17 Aww. and lay would die on 1901 at the age of um 17 or 27 would they die like tuberculosis i i don't think it was tuberculosis but they did die of you know just living in that era okay um day committed suicide um, <laughs> that's not tuberculosis i just <laughs> Um, essentially what happened is that, um, he, he sort of found out that a woman that he was interested in was going to marry another guy. Um, so he shot her and, uh, the, the man that she was betrothed to her fiance. Um, but he missed, um, he, he didn't kill both of them, but he killed himself. What a fucking uh, incel. Are you kidding and, me? <laughs> and, and. And Lay would die of pneumonia, which was related to alcoholism, which I believe was, you know, pretty common of that era. What, alcoholism or pneumonia? Well, no, just like <laughs> dying of pneumonia related to alcoholism. Really? Okay. This fucking incel shot the woman that he, he wanted to be with that he couldn't bang, he got friend-zoned by, and her fiancé. What a loser. What a fucking loser. Yeah, you never saw yeah but he was the one who died. Like, they survived <laughs> 
That's what I'm saying. That he killed himself. What a fucking loser, yo. I'm sorry. Look, Mr. Beers with your amazing mustache, you had a loser son. <laughs> um, Beers would eventually separate from his wife in 1888 um, after he discovered letters that, that sort of show that she was seeing another um, lover at that time. Um, She's an uh, easy lover. <laughs> Um, they they would divorce in 1904. How are you going to cheat um, on the guy that wrote the Devil's Dictionary? Come on. And and she would die a year after that, so she died in 1905. Oh, that's sad. Um, Beers' has, has been established. Was he was very agnostic. Um, yep. he, he strongly rejected sort of like the Christian values of the day. <clears throat> How agnostic was he? Do we know? Very. Like. Was he like? Very. W- w- he was like, listen, fuck you. God's dead, or was he like, nah? God's, God's not dead there. is not yeah. agnostic. That's atheist. Well, he he wrote the Devil's Dictionary, which is a sort of like a mockery of of sort of like Christian values at that time. Like, oh, okay. I'm I'm an agnostic, uh, avowed, and uh, it has nothing to do with me saying God is dead. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, no, I was thinking of atheist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, dude, I hate that shit, man. Like, I just don't believe. I, who was it? Which comedian was it? I always bring up the same argument. I'm like, I just don't believe God was a, you know, single parent. <laughs> just, just every fucking time betting on football games. Uh. So Beers, uh, he throughout his life he had suffered from asthma. Um, me too, and, and me also too Ambrose. Compl- <laughs> and, and sort of complications from his uh, war wounds, from fighting in the American Civil War, his traumatic um, fucking brain injury. <laughs> yeah, so so throughout his life, he experienced periods of uh, fainting and quote unquote irritability. Oh, not surprised with his TBI. Not surprised. So that that could be attributed to that. <laughs> Ryan's just gonna oh. go hardcore on the ambulatory symptoms right now and just. <laughs> Um, oh, eventually, before he... What's that? He has a TBI? He, he was passing out? Classic. <laughs> What's his GCS? I'm not worried about him yet. <laughs> we need to find him, and we need to get him to sign in this lawsuit that we're going to have against the NFL, you know? Against- we're suing the Civil War, because, uh... Too many people. Too many people have brain damage. Oh, my God. Um, so... He he suffered from these conditions, um, and eventually in in San Francisco he would he would sort of retire um, from his military commission after being awarded the rank of brevet major. Bre- what the rank of what? Brevet major. The fuck is that? Is that it, like... It's pretty it's pretty high ranked. It's, is that a church up, up the... major or like? Well, it's above a major. Okay. Like it's, like a, major? Okay. it's like a like major, major, major plus plus, you know. Yeah. Um. So he he sort of retires at that point in in San Francisco, um, and he he begins to contribute to a bunch of local newspapers and periodicals. Um, one of which is the San Francisco Newsletter, um, the Argonaut, and the Overland Monthly, and the Californian and the Wasp. Okay. The Wasp. The WAP, the WAP, yeah. the WAP, like the white. No, not the WAP. <laughs> Come on, man. Those are my people. <laughs> um, he would. He would also commit um, in the San Francisco newsletter um, into uh, 
the Library of America Anthology of True Crime. Ah, so he wrote a true crime podcast in the early 1900s. Yeah. He knew what the white woman wanted, even back then. He knew what was up. <laughs> he, he knew what these white women wanted. They wanted stories of women being brutalized and murdered by white men. <laughs> he just... was Lifetime Network ahead of his time. Nah, Lifetime doesn't show that shit. You what? Know? Lifetime doesn't Dog. show brutal murder. Lifetime, listen, listen, listen. Lifetime. Oh no, Lifetime does. I'm thinking the shit kicked out right. of him on every fucking movie. <laughs> I stand corrected. No, you are right. It's Hallmark. I'm thinking of. Sorry. Oh yeah, no. Hall- yeah, no, no. no yeah. Listen, Lifetime. Hallmark was, is the woman gets beaten for like 72 of the 90 minutes, right. and the last 18 minutes is yeah. coming back with a gun and killing. What her. was like? Was it that? It was like Patton Oswalt yeah. said. Meredith, it was like Portrait of a Rod. Yeah, Meredith Baxter <laughs> Burney gets beaten with a rod. A Lifetime original rod. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So anyway, Ambrose Bierce. I, I used to be like, listen, Lifetime is he television would... for women, but it's just like women getting beat up. And my mom was like, go to your room. <laughs> <laughs> lifetime, television for idiots. <laughs> what, have I, what have I told you about talking about my stories, that way, boy? <laughs> That's not the stories. The stories are Young and the Restless, General Hospital, and... Uh, different strokes my, my great grandmother who was from poland who would watch like soap operas my mom said that she would refer to them as her stories oh yeah that's what it and is my my mom and my mom was also pretty sure that she was illiterate because she was poland yeah, it's possible it's possible my mom uh my mom refers and referred to them as her stories and so did her mother and my neighbor and my aunt and I remember them watching them. And what's funny is, like, a year ago, I went to the supermarket, and I was looking at, like, you know, the Women's World magazine section that's right there at the checkout. There's you know? huge articles about them. Well, there's still articles about the same fucking guy, Victor, who's still <laughs> fucking alive. And I remember having to sit through that shit because I wanted to watch cartoons, and they came on after the goddamn thing. So mm-hmm. Victor... Victor and and uh, oh, I forget what the other chick's name was like Nina or something like that. This Blonsky Fusa, freaking ridiculous. They're still alive and they're still being talked about. This guy's had more plastic surgery than uh, I don't know. Uh, Tom Selleck. You ever look at Tom <laughs> Selleck? He's like eighty-five years old, but he more, his face no longer animates. Yeah. He's more plastic he's surgery. He's still alive, than the but unlike yeah. he used to be like the cheap man's Burt Reynolds, but now Burt Reynolds is dead and he's alive. So, <laughs> oh so I used to watch daytime soaps, but I used to watch them on Telemundo, and I used to watch Asias well, Let's, let's be honest. <laughs> if you're watching on Telemundo, you're not watching it for the uh, storyline, buddy. I only I only used to watch Dragon Ball Z on Telemundo because we watched... They would have episodes that were not on the English version. That too. We yes. watched a show called um, because we're I you know I don't have cable I just stream and um, we watched a show called Mi Gorda Bella, <laughs> <laughs> which I believe means like my fat my fat my sweet fat Valentina. <laughs> yeah, that 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 sounds that sounds accurate because I know like Gordo means fat yeah. and like Bella means like beloved. It's, it's very close to Italian, so it sounds exactly the same, but. It's going it, to be like the fat and the beautiful is basically what it is. It is horrendous, yeah. dude. There's 178 episodes of it. It is nuts, dude. Yeah. But, like yeah. I said, I used to watch Asias La Vida and Amiga de Cid Rivales, and they were the two best shows. They were amazing. Nice. <laughs> nice. 
Did you now? Did so, you have closed captions on, or did you just kind of like write the script as you went along? Closed captions? What the fuck? No, bro. I was poor. I didn't have closed. <laughs> I didn't think you was capable of closed <laughs> did captions. You, did you, you have just, a just Spanish? Just make it up as you go. You a Spanish like friend. Watching, <laughs> no, like I knew a little bit of Spanish. It was. And like, it was like me watching Lucha Libre it. on Telemundo. Like you just had to make it up as you go. I love like, Lucha Libre. That's great. You know who hope, else? Hope that like La Parka shows up at some point. You know who? And, like, you know who else likes Lucha Libre? Ambrose Bierce, big fan. <laughs> he did. He was a big fan. And, and we'll get to that because he his sort he of story ends in Mexico. He was a um, luchador. <laughs> nah. <laughs> so so eventually Bierce um, would write for a magazine in England called Thumb Magazine from 1872 to 1875. Sorry, did you call it the Thumb Magazine? No, Fun Magazine. Oh, the Fun. These the Thumb Magazine. What the fuck are you writing about, cops? <laughs> Um, he, he would eventually return to the United States, and he would take up residence in San Francisco. Um, and then from 1879 to 1880, um, he would travel um, to Deadwood in the Dakota Territory. You know, as as you know the the same Deadwood from the series, right? Mm-hmm. With with our favorite person, Al Swergen. <laughs> yeah. To, to try his hand at being a local manager um, for a New York mining company in the area. Now, like um, middle manager or like head manager? I think head manager. Okay. Um, but, th- but the company would eventually fail, um, and he returned to San Francisco and resumed his career in journalism. <laughs> what year was this? Um, this is in 1880. Okay. Uh, from January 1st, 1881 until September 11th, 1885, he was the editor of the Wasp magazine. What happened in September 11th, 1885? I think he just got a better offer. I don't, I don't think there was some sort of inside job. <laughs> <laughs> September 11th, 1885 is a part-time job. Um, during that time, he would have a column called Prattle. That's a good word. I love the word Prattle. Um, it's a good and, one. And during and during that time, he would become one of like the first regular columnists um, for William Randolph Hearst's newspapers. Ah, so he's working for that her. motherfucker was around back in the eighty eighteen hundreds. Yeah, yeah, that's when Ra- that's when that's when Hearst got started. You know, that's. Good that's where Lord. it comes from in Deadwood, because remember, Hearst is like the villain of Deadwood. Wait, that's the same Hearst? Yep. Yeah. No! Yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah w- William Randolph Hearst is like the the Hearst in Deadwood, the one that like comes oh, into town and is shit. like I didn't realize killing people guy. and trying to take over everything. Yeah. Fuck, I didn't realize it was the same guy. Okay. Um, And this was at the San Francisco Examiner. Um, and, and he would become one of the most influential writers on the West Coast. Um, and, and he would remain associated with the paper until 1909. Um, and, and he would investigate... He would remain one of the most prominent and influential writers on the West Coast until 1995 brought us Tupac Amari Shakur. Yeah. <laughs> Word is born. Um, he would, uh... <laughs> He, he would be associated uh, with the paper until then. Um, he would investigate such things as the railroad fi- refinancing bill, um, which is essentially about how 
um, sort of the scheme that the, the national government had with the railroads, where if, if you know your history, sort of like when they're building the railroads across the country, that the U.S. government owns the land that the railroads are on, but it sold those lands to the railroads at a very like low cost. Okay. And that, and, and sort of to as an incentive to the railroads, the railroads would own the land around the tracks. Okay. So in sort of the same way that like in an area that's like a pit stop on the road, like you know you have those X's where there's all those gas stations. Yeah. Like in the same way they would capitalize on the exits from the railroads. Oh, okay. So eventually what happened was um, an executive of the Central Pacific Railroad, Carlos B. Huntington, um, he would persuade a member of Congress to introduce a bill um, excusing the companies from repaying to an amount of about $130 million, which in today's money is like a billion worth $4 billion. Okay. All right. Yeah. Like, that's never going to happen in today's money, right? Like, but think about it. Um, 1880s. In the 1880s, billions of dollars to companies to bail them out. Like, no, never. <laughs> so, what happens is in January of 1896, Hearst dispatches Beers to Washington to sort of foil this attempt. He sends Bierce in to foil it? Yeah, to go in and just sort of unveil this attempt at the railroad companies, like, earning all this money. Ah, okay. Um, Is he successful? So what eventually happens is... Well, Hunt confronts Bierce at the steps of the Capitol um, and, and told Bierce to, like, name his price to, like, sort of back off from the story... And Beers tells him, you know, if you want me to back off from the story, quote unquote, my price is one hundred and thirty million dollars. If when you are ready to pay, I happen to be out of town, you may hand it over to my friend, the treasurer of the United States. Jesus, oh, man. Bah, 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 bah. Just pulled his <laughs> whole dick out and laid it on the steps right there. Bro, where's, so, where's your so, horn? That's what you do. Bah, 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 bah. Oh, yeah, the, the Jamaican air horn for beers. Um, so, <laughs> so Beers, Beers' efforts, um, sort of, uh, sort of send them away from this. Um, so the bill is eventually defeated and, and Beers returns to California in November of that year. Okay. Uh, so he was gone until November. <laughs> <laughs> January, February, March, April, and May. <laughs> um, and and eventually he becomes under fire from the McKinley administration. Because uh, fuck like McKinley. Biting, no, I, because I don't of his know biting commentary. About, I don't know anything his about McKinley. biting commentary. Well, he was. You got, I'm telling you, you got to read the Devil's Dictionary. We're gonna read. So let's pick letters out of the De- Devil's Dictionary, and I'll just read some entries. <laughs> it's amazing. Okay. And, and, and eventually, what happens is because <laughs> McKinley is assassinated, um, they they sort of pick up that Beers had wrote. This sort of poem that was about the assassination of the the governor of Kentucky, um, William Goebel, um, in 1900. Wait, what? And because he had wrote this poem about William Goebel, that with the bullet that pierced Goebel's breast cannot be found in all the West, good reason 
It is speedy here to stretch McKinley on his beer. <laughs> wow. Jesus. Okay. So, so he wrote this poem that was just sort of like a criticism of the corrupt politics of the West, but they sort of take this and say, this, this sort of like influenced the assassination of McKinley. Wow. Think. Imagine, right? Back then, that was like considered calling for somebody's assassination. But Which, somehow, somehow, the shit that happened last month is not. Never mind. Never well, mind. actually, it is because the guy who voted to acquit at right after quitting him said he most definitely was guilty of what he did. <laughs> because it's me? party over country, bro. Mi- mi- Mr. Speaker, if I can <sighs> say, uh, Mr. Speaker, uh, even oh, though the, uh, you mean the minority even, speaker, even of though the, of he the absolutely well, did do the crime. Well, how can He's the Republican Party be against time. minorities when they have the minority speaker? It's all I'm saying. I'm just, all um, I'm saying is I just like referring to Mitch McConnell as the minority speaker because fuck him, he hates being a minority and he hates minorities. But uh, rival newspapers accuse Bierce of this as well as the Secretary of War at that time, Elohu Root. Um, and, and they say that this sort of um, sort of influenced um, people to, to assassinate McKinley. Um, and, and eventually... Um, Pierce would, would sort of like back down. Um, he had thought of running for the presidency before that. Um, and, and also in joining what was called the Bohemian club, which was like a, a social club at that time. Um, but, but he backs growth. down from all that. And, <laughs> but, but Hearst will, uh, will still employ Beers during did, this period. Did the Bohemian club meet at Bohemian Grove? Possibly. I, I think it might oh, be shit. a predecessor to the Bohemian Grove, but I'm not entirely sure. It's in <laughs> California, so it's probably likely. Ah, uh, okay. It's like a cousin. It's like a co- like a cousin to the Bohemian Grove. I don't. The I Bohemian don't know swamp. if he got like if he got like shit housed in the middle of a forest and then watched them like burn a dummy at, in front of an owl statue. That's burning. And man. then like <laughs> and then like gave a guy a hand job. I don't know what he did. <laughs> It's definitely Burning Man. <laughs> so, so Beers during this time, you know, he he's also a writer. Um, he writes the the short story "An Occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge," um, a, a horseman in the sky, one of the missing, and Chickamauga, which are sort of influenced by his time in the American Civil War. Um, for instance, "An Occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge." It's just sort of like a soldier experiencing, like like an out of body experience, or experiences another timeline that that involves sort of like the trauma of the American Civil War. Okay. So 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 Bierce is a veteran. You know, he he includes him being a veteran into like a lot of his stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and he eventually writes a cycle of twenty five war stories. Um, and he's been called, quote-unquote, the greatest anti-war um, documenter in American literature. Hmm. Um, and, and according to the author uh, Milton um, Sabotsky, that Beers had helped pioneer the, the genre of psychological horror. 
I could see that. So I I specific, I was gonna say this before, but it, it started as soon as you said one of the missing. I, I know exactly what you're talking about because that was actually one of the books that I read in high school for one of my years of English class. And I specifically remember it being a very fucked up story about a dude who, like, gets buried in this building. And when he wakes up from being buried in this building, there's a gun, his gun, that is pointing at him. It's like, it was based in the Civil War, so, like, the gun was, like, primed to shoot. And it's just, like, pointing right at him. And the majority of the story is him trying to move and get out of the way so if the gun goes off, it doesn't just blow his fucking brains out. But, like, when... At the, I know towards the end of the story, he kind of, like, gives up. And he, like, uses, like, a, a stick or something just to pull the fucking trigger of the gun to kill himself. Because he's like, oh, fuck it, whatever. <laughs> kind of find out the gun had already fired. So it wasn't going to fire again. It, 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 but, like, the, the fear of him about to die from that bullet is actually what killed... It was fucking weird, but also at the same time, it was a very creepy book. Yeah. I would put it on level with, like, the things that Poe writes. It's very, like, psychologically creepy. Yeah, he he's very much a product of his of his environment and his background. I would say, yeah, I, I would I would say he's more he's more Poe than he is King, if that makes any sense. And one of one of his most famous works is of course the Devil's Dictionary, which Steve has mentioned. You want me to? <laughs> um, which originally was only really like an item that was mentioned in newspapers, um, but it was published in book form in 1906. As the Cynic's work uh, word book. Yeah, okay. I was, I'll read some definitions from it. You guys want to know the definition of saint? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> A dead sinner revised and edited. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, this is what it is. It's like the most sarcastic thing ever. A canon, an instrument employed in the rectification of national boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> Christian, right, I need. I might need cri- to look this up. A Christian, one who believes that the New Testament is a divinely inspired book, admirably suited to the spiritual needs of his neighbor. <laughs> dude, he's such. He's so fucking good, man. It's one of my favorite books, dude. Lawyer, now hey, one yeah. skilled in circumvention of the law. <laughs> exactly. Oh my god, it's so. He good. was. Um, he was often criticized by his contemporaries and later scholars um, for, like, just sort of having, like, trick endings. Wait, what? Like, what? Like, he, like, like at it the, didn't the come occurrence to it. Owl Creek, like, at the end, you know, it's a dream. Oh, okay. Like, okay. like just okay. that sort of type of thing. Kind of like being worried about this gun going off in your face for a whole story yeah, to realize his, it's already been fired. Oh, my God. His bias towards naturalism was quoted as the biting the biting, deriding quality of the satire unbalanced by any compassion for his targets was often taken as petty uh, petty meanness showing contempt for humanity and intolerance to the point of merciless uh, cruelty. What? That's his bias towards naturalism? (laughs) I think just towards... Like, the natural occurrence of things, meaning that, like, things end up badly for most people, naturally. Okay. Okay. Um, Stephen Crane was one of the uh, the authors that that, that sort of valued um, Bierce's commentary. Um, and um, H.P. Lovecraft um, would also um, 
sort of talk about um, him, quoting that his work was grim and savage. Not for nothing, but I don't really care about H.P. Lovecraft's opinion when I heard about what he named his cat and, and how he, he conducted would, himself. He would say that all of Bierce's stories are of the horror genre and some shine as great examples of weird fiction. So he just sort of talks about him as just sort of like a precursor to sort of like the weird fiction movement that Lovecraft was a part of. Yeah. Algernon Blackwood and all them. Uh, eventually what would happen is in October of 1913, uh, Bierce at the age of 71 would depart from Washington, D.C., and he would go on a tour of the old Civil War battlefields that he fought at. That's so crazy that in 1913 you could go see, like, old Civil War battlefields and you would be, like, a veteran of the Civil fucking War. Like, that's just crazy to me. Yeah, to think I, that it's the shift in years. It just seems weird, you know? Yeah, like from 1800 to 1900. Exactly, yeah. He's just he's just Matt Damon in, in Saving Private Ryan, you know? He's just... You see him when he's young at the grave, and then at the end, you know, it ter- turns into him old or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of it, too, is that when I hear something set in the 1800s, I immediately think horse-drawn carriages, flintlock rifles. But then, well, like, if you think about 1900s, I immediately think motorized vehicles. Well, um, you know, well that, like that. That, that will sort of go into our second person, because you have to remember, at, like, we're not that far removed from the American Civil War. Oh, yeah, like, no, not at all. Like, in and, the and, scheme of history, yeah. yeah. In, in, in the scheme of history, and it occurs to, like, us as people, like, if like if you're an African-American, it's very likely that your, your great-grandparent, like, their, their, their parent was a slave during the American Civil War. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like, like that level of, of things happen, and we sort of forget that. It gets not even 200 years history. out at this point. Not even 200 years. Nope. So, so eventually he would go down. Uh, he would go through Louisiana and Texas, um, and he would cross over to El Paso and eventually into Mexico. Um, and at the time, Mexico was in the throes of revolution. Ooh, Okay. And, and allegedly, in, in Ciudad Juarez, he would join up with Pancho Villa. Really? Like, and sort he of was part ob- of Pancho Villa's observe army? Observe his army. He, oh. He'd be an observer in his army. Oh, okay. Now, he had too many brain problems to be in the army. <laughs> and then I mean, he's he, a perfect he person would eventually, <laughs> and, and allegedly, he would witness the Battle of Tierra Blanco, which is a battle in the oh, Mexican wow. Civil War. Okay. Um, and eventually he would be considered to have accompanied them into the city of Chihuahua in Mexico. Chihuahua. I love the idea <laughs> that they witnessed a battle in the war. Like, what were they just standing on the side with, like, some other guy? Like, whoa, look at that. Look at that shoot. So you have to understand, back well, in the was, Civil War. He was probably was in like... the back with the generals. He was just like, yeah, look at them go at it. No, but that was a thing. <laughs> like, back in the day, back then, to sit around and watch battles was a thing. Like, well, that, people would go and spread their blankets and, like, watch these things happen. It's well, that was like strange. the battle of, that was like the battle of Bull Run, which is the first battle of the American Civil War, is that the, the Union troops retreating were sort of slowed down by the fact that, that sort of, like, tourists, I guess you would call them from the north, ha- had sort of, like, set up to watch the battle. 
and that like when the battle was ending they they were trying to retreat and, and they were blocking the troops from retreating because they were on the road as well yeah and then they realized after watching a few of these battles that oh this is this is kind of gruesome and I don't want to watch this anymore my buddy's face just uh, got shot off and this is not entertaining anymore no, it's very strange to, like, people, like, used to watch this thing like it was a sporting event. It's crazy to me to think that. Yeah, um, that's weird. So, B- Bears would write to a friend, um, uh, Blanche, uh, Parlington, um, on December 26th. Add him to the book of weird names. About, Cast him upon the pages. <laughs> Blanche about, Parlington. About, like, what he saw there. Um, and he closed his letter saying... As to me, I leave here tomorrow for an unknown destination. Um, and after that, he, he just completely vanishes. Okay, but that's like 19... You say 1913? Yeah. You could literally just go to a, the next state over, give yourself a new name, and nobody would ever know. What's your it's name? More impressive uh, if that uh, my name's Bambrose Ears. That's my name. There, <laughs> it, it, It's been sort of been alleged by, by sort of skeptics that... This letter doesn't actually exist um, because the the physical version of the letter has not been found, according to skeptic um, Joe Nickel. Um, so we we can't confirm that's what he actually said. But I thought Tom Quarter came in and said that uh, Joe Nickel was full of shit. <laughs> he was paid good money for that. Hey, hey, listen, I'm Henry Half Dollar. I'm here to step down on everybody. Jeff Good Money came in and. Then- me and my buddy Paulie Penny, we're here to take over. <laughs> Paulie Penny, <laughs> Nipsey Nichols. Um, the 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 consular office sort of looked into this. Don't need to die. American a citizen, uh, American citizen <laughs> who disappeared. Um, some of uh, Pancho Villa's men said that um, when questioned, um, that that they sort of like note that there was a disappearance, um, and and this is somewhat contradictory. Um, and one of Pancho Villa's representatives to the U.S., um, Felix A. Sommerfeld, um, he was con- uh, contacted by the U.S. Chief of Staff, Hugh L. Scott, um, and, um, and they investigated the disappearance together. Mm. I see. Um, within the oral tradition of Sierra uh, Mojada, um, uh, Coahuila. You can do um, it. <laughs> it, um, it was documented by a priest, um, James Leinert, um, that he said that Beers was executed by firing squad um, in the town cemetery there. What? Why? What did he do? Well, it, it sort of came out as well that he was very critical of Pancho Villa and like his newspaper articles. Uh, so it was it was likely that Pancho Villa might have killed him, which is one of the things why people say like why would he go and like hang out with Pancho Villa if he was so critical of Pancho Villa for a long time. Yeah. Because like I heard you were talking shit. He would just be hanging out with a guy that has no reason to like either like listen to him or either just like not kill him. In the anarchy of, like, the Mexican Civil War. That's like Hitler inviting some random Jewish person to dinner. Like, oh, no, you, you should come eat at my house tonight, yes. Nothing will happen. Okay. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, right. Maybe and, we'll talk about my problems. And, and Nickel found the story, like, unreliable for the reasons I mentioned. Um, 
that that like they talk about Beerus riding with him, but Beerus had been you know like he was old and infirm from his injuries, so he couldn't have ridden with them due to his like asthma and his injuries that he gained from the war. Um, so he could have been riding with Pancho Villa. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they also and, and Nickel also says that it's highly unlikely that Beerus went off to Mexico um, for those reasons. Fair enough. So what is like the commonly accepted like end of his story? We we don't entirely know. Like we don't know what happened to him because it happened in a period of time where the historical record is so bare um, gotcha. that that we just have no idea what happened to him. At least for the and, for and, the individual, yeah. Yeah, and it's certainly considered to be one of like the greatest literary mysteries is what happened to Ambrose Pierce. Okay. Okay. Unlocked quest. <laughs> Determine <laughs> what caused Ambrose, Ambrose Beer's death. Steve, I gotta go. <laughs> gotta start this quest. There's an NPC I gotta talk to. It's just, it's just one of those like Discovery Channel shows where they go to find Ambrose Beer's, but it's just like that, um, the documentary now skit with drones. It ends up being like uh, the the Alaskan Gold show. Like the this the Oak Island. Oh yeah, the mystery of Oak Island. The island's a mile wide. Like, what? How how many seasons do you need to check out a mile? Like a square. The, mile. the one the one documentary now, where it's like making fun of um, Vice, where it's called Drones, oh, and they're like God. going into Mexico or whatever with the drug lords, and they're just like all of them end up getting killed. <laughs> like they go through like three hosts because all of them end up getting like murdered at some point. It's oh fucking amazing. <laughs> so for our second person in in honor of uh, Black History Month, even though he himself was probably not uh, black, is uh, Wallace Fard Muhammad, who was the founder of the Nation of Islam. So we don't know much about the origins of, of Wallace Fard Muhammad, other than that he originally acted as a door-to-door uh, salesman, um, and that what he would do is he'd go door-to-door in Detroit, and he would sort of sell silks um, to people and claim that they were, you know, a property of the the residents' uh, actual culture. Okay. So, so he, he, would so go he to, wasn't selling like Qurans door to door. He was selling silk. Yeah, he was he was selling silks door to door, and he would sell these to people um, as, as sort of like saying like this is a product of your people's like culture. Okay. Um, which you know, for for African Americans, you have to remember at this time because this is like the 1930s. African Americans don't really have a culture. Mm-hmm. Because before that, you know, they had lived under Jim Crow in the South, and before that, they had been slaves. Yeah, you can't um, really have a culture and, if you can't trace back your own family roots. And they had left the South to go to the North to work in the factories during World War One, mm-hmm. as as sort of like a a means to gaining um, uh, better pay. Mm-hmm. So this guy comes around. And he begins offering them these silks. And when he tells them, you know, that they are a product of their people's culture, um, he, he sort of gets his foot in the door 
and they become interested in this. Okay. So Fard begins teaching this form of uh, black exceptionalism and self-pride, um, and, and also begins um, sort of making it into an organization. This sounds like it's the very early Black Panthers. Well, he, he's the predecessor to, well, he eventually forms the Nation of Islam. Okay. So what eventually happens is, is that we don't know much about Fard, but he teaches in Detroit from a period of about 1930 to 1934. Um, and most of the people that, that sort of glom onto him and his message are, are sort of emigrates from the south to the north um, dur- during the period of, of migration of blacks from the south to the north. And, and originally what he did was he used the Bible as a textbook, um, but eventually, because they were very familiar with it, um, but eventually he would move over to the Quran. Like, that, I mean, that's a big jump, you know, textually. Well, it's, it's not that big. it is, but the overall message is, is almost identical. Don't be a dick is the overall message. I mean, I've read a lot of books about religion, and it's a big jump. I think you guys might be would... playing it a little bit. It's a big jump in ideology, but the overall message is exactly the same. I mean, it's monotheistic, yeah. It uses, yeah, no, but I mean, like, it, the, uses, the overall message... it uses similar subjects. I, I would say if you were jumping from one religion to another, jumping from Christianity to Islam is not that big of a leap. As to if you were jumping from a Christian background to, say, like a UFO cult. <laughs> <laughs> which is which is eventually what the Nation of Islam comes to be um, for, for a number of reasons. Why did okay. he jump from one book to the other? You made it sound like it was just kind of a flip of the wrist, you know? Well, he, he sort of goes from being, like, using the Bible as a text to using the, the Quran as a text. Okay. For any specific reason, or...? Well, there, there's a lot of debate about that, because we don't know what Fard's background is. Mm-hmm. And there, there's sort of, like, a, a sort of school of thought that I agree with, that Fard was most likely from Pakistan. Okay. Uh, because if you look at a picture of him, he does not look black. Right. And, and I don't mean that like in a racist way of like he doesn't look black. Like if you look at a picture of him and you looked at it in a vacuum, you'd probably say he looks like an Indian national. Okay. Um, and and it's very likely that he was from Pakistan. And there's there's some scholars who sort of looked into it and they've said, you know, from the the text he used and, and sort of like his lessons. That he was probably from Pakistan, for instance. One of them was that he, like, warned his followers about, like, Hindus. And, like, somebody in, like, 1920s America warning people about Hindus. Like, that that just strikes me as, like, so out there that, like, the only person I could see, like, doing that would be someone from, say, Pakistan. Right. Yeah. Who is, like, opposed to Hindus. Right. That makes sense. So he he begins spreading this message to the black community, um, and uh, so the the attendance of the the house meetings he throws um, they they grow in number, uh, and eventually um, he rents a hall to serve as the temple for the group. 
Um, and like I said, he eventually introduces the Quran as the text that they're going to use for study. Okay. And he he sort of has the the members sort of memorize the Quran as sort of like the main text of their movement. And and a lot of like sort of like eventually um, conflict emerges with the group and, and sort of the community at large because these uh, Nation of Islam members are not sending their children to public schools. They're, they're sending them to, like, Nation of Islam schools. Right, there's a mm. lot of cult behavior there. Yeah, that's a little bit of a problem. Um, and and Fard eventually introduces um, sort, sort of like a, a membership concept. Hey, Steve, what year was this? like, organization. Th- this is around uh, the, the 1920s. So we're still talking about a public school system that is largely Christian. Right. Yeah. So this is this is still a school system where they might ask the children, you know, to pray. Exactly. Yeah, I'll say there's still prayer in school this time. Right. So it makes sense that they would pull their kids out of that. But I, I, yeah. Um. So eventually, um, he establishes the University of Islam, um, where where children of school age are taught in order to learn, um sort of the beliefs of the nation of Islam. So it's more of like an Islamic school than it is a regular school then. Yeah. Well, well, to a degree, because the thing about the nation of Islam is while it is like quote unquote Muslim, it is not actually Muslim. Right. I understand. Yeah. It, it's sort of in the way that, like, a cult, where they're like, we're a member of this, like, like for instance, like... Are they Islamic uh, in the way that ISIS is Islamic? Well, I would say they're, they're Islamic in the way that, like, in Wawa country, they're, they're Hindu. You say Wawa country? Like, Florida? Wild, wild oh. country. The, the documentary <laughs> about the Rajneeshis okay. in, in Oregon. Yeah, we've all okay. seen that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. 100%. Um, and I've I've actually seen bits of it. My wife has seen it. I have know nothing about what you're talking. It's and, pretty crazy. And he would he would establish. He's basically. I think I think Steve's saying that basically, like if Ryan, like if you decided to say that you were starting Ryan's Islam Fun Time, and uh, <laughs> and you started inviting people over, and you had a Quran, and you were somewhat familiar with the religion, you uh, that doesn't mean that you're part of the religion. <laughs> Like, like the greater the greater Islamic community is not going to recognize. Oh yes, Ryan's Islamic Fun Time Show Hour is the place to be. Yeah, because that's the opening right there. By the way, that's the opening. Their their beliefs are like far outside of those of like Orthodox Islam. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, because that's that's one of those things. Like when Malcolm X did the Hajj to Mecca. Like, like, he converted to regular Islam because, like, the beliefs he was trained in were so insane and so different from, like, regular Islam that, like, when he went on the Hajj and he saw that there were all these different peoples who were Muslim who were doing the Hajj, that, that he sort of, like, changed his way of thinking. Dude, what the hell? Yeah. Well, I mean, like I said before, because you might not, like, people might not like Malcolm X. Uh, he's a little out there, 
about his views on society in general sometimes but uh intense. yeah well kinda he kind of wants you to die uh mm-hmm. but at the same time he was not stupid nope because nah, like you have to you have to remember the nation of islam what they're teaching at this time is that um and and fard sort of starts this talk but elijah muhammad who is his successor eventually changes this where like it, it sort of goes into that black people are are sort of the successors of what's called the tribe of Shabazz. Oh, okay. And the tribe of Shabazz is essentially Wakanda. That they, they used to exist over a large portion of like Africa and the Middle East. Did you say it's essentially Wakanda? Yes, he did. <laughs> yeah, it's essentially like a highly developed. Yeah. Like super science, like society of people of color that exist in this society, and that eventually one of the members of this society, um, named uh, uh, it would be what we would refer to as Jacob, which in their tongue I believe be uh, Jacob. Okay. Um, Jacob would sort of begin this experiment to create another race. And, and he would sort of create this white race of, like, sort of like, you know that scene in The Lord of the Rings where Sauron is making oh the Arukai, where he's, like, where he's got, like, the mud pit and, the, like, the Arukai are being born. Oh, my God, of, yes, I do. That, that That's essentially what he says, what, what Jacob did with, like, we are, like, as white people, we are the Arukai. Like, we came out of the mud pit. And he essentially says because conditions were so bad under this, like, area that Jacob had created that white people became these, like, wicked, evil, like, creatures. Oh, my gosh. This, oh, yeah, wow, wow. Okay. Well, wow. you know, it's one of these things that's a, a complex solution to a simple issue. <laughs> you know? um, so, um... Fard sort of begins beginning like to create the structure of the Nation of Islam. Um, he creates the University of Islam, which is sort of their educational branch. He also establishes um, Muslims girl training and general civilization class, uh, where women are taught sort of their role within a Muslim society. Ooh, and men are organ- And men are organized into what are called the fruit of Islam. Like if you've seen the guys that like the guys in bow ties are around like Louis Farrakhan. Yeah, Brother Muzan like, from uh, the Wire. Yeah, th- yeah like Brother Muzan. <laughs> they are they are from like they're veterans of the Fruit of Islam sort of school. They, okay. That they're sort of trained to be these like soldiers or bodyguards of this movement. Oh wait, those are soldiers and bodyguards? I thought yeah. they were just dudes that needed swords. No, it's like a militant wing, dude. Yeah, like they are. They are indoctrinated, and they are like they're like foot soldiers in this movement. It's all under what is called the Minister of Islam, which at this point is like Fard, but eventually it becomes Elijah Muhammad as like the main faction of the Nation of Islam, and eventually moves on to Louis Farrakhan, who, um, as we've established as, in another episode, is still quite alive. <laughs> yeah, he's um, alive. So like. The, the whole thing, too, with, like, Fard, when he, like, creates this movement, is that, like, 
he does not have a definite successor, so the people who succeed him are, are just sort of like whoever has the best claim wins type of deal. Okay. Um, eventually, um, a- according to one of the members, Bainon, um, the the amount of followers grew up to about 80,000. Hmm. Uh, within three years, the Prophet not only began the movement, but organized it so well that he himself was able to recede into the background, appearing almost never to the fo- to his followers before the final months of his residence in Detroit. And this is from an interview of approximately 200 families who followed Fard. Um, and although the prophet lived in Detroit from July 4th, 1930 until Ju- June 30th, 1934, Virtually nothing is known about him, save he came from the East, that he called the Negroes of North America to enter the Nation of Islam. His very name is uncertain. He was known usually as Mr. Wally Farad or Mr. W.D. Fard, though he used also the following names, Professor Ford, Mr. Farad Muhammad, Mr. F. Muhammad Ali, one of the few survivors who heard his first addresses states that he himself said, My name is W.D. Fard. I came from the holy city of Mecca. More about myself I will not tell you yet, for the time has not yet come. I am your brother. You have not yet seen me in my royal robes. Legends soon sprang about his mysterious personality. Sounds like he's like goddamn Gandalf. Like, nobody really so essentially, does. so essentially, Fard comes on the scene, and this is also sort of important because we are in the midst of Black History Month. Is that like people argue like why do we have a Black History Month? And and I would argue the reason why we have a Black History Month is because Black people were robbed of their history in America for so long that they have no history themselves. Mm. And that is not to, like, speak ill of Black people in America. It's just to say that white people in America have robbed them of their own history by taking them from their country cruelly, using them as slaves, using them as slave labor in America, and then just sort of abandoning them when the time of abolition came. Right. Yeah, I mean, black people. People who make the argument about uh, there, you know, why is there no White History Month? There is. It's the other eleven months it's of every the year. Month. Yeah, yeah. it's including February. You know I, I mean? want to know why I can't get no white entertainment television channel. Yeah, it's that's, called fucking CMT. You jack. It's so. Like, f- <laughs> it's so fucking it's stupid. It's called fucking CBS primetime. Shut yeah. the fuck up, please. But that's. That's one of the reasons why the Nation of Islam exists, is because black people were so robbed of their history that they have no history. So when someone like Fard comes along and he tells them, you know, I know what your history is, people begin to listen. And not everyone he visited probably listened to him, but those that did and eventually joined his movement, like, the message of someone telling someone who has no history other than their own suffering and bondage, telling them that you know you have this grand history. Keeping in mind that, that this is robbed from you. That this is nineteen thirty, right? Yeah, yeah. Like this, this is to a point where like 
grandma who's still living with you probably lived as a slave. Because I would argue that like, I would argue that like now, thankfully, black people have a very rich cultural history. Um, it's just that at the time, your argument holds complete water. Like they didn't have a history other than bondage, yeah, and they still, I, I, even though there was an emancipation, they were treated the exact same way. Which is which is one of the reasons why the Nation of Islam is not popular today. Right. Um, is is because you know black people know better, like because the nation of Islam is itself is a grift, like Fard Fard is a grifter. Yeah. Like he's he's sort of coming into these communities. Like I said, we don't know what his background is, but I sort of seem to describe to like I subscribe to the theory that Fard is Pakistani. He and the reason he why he kind of looks Pakistani. That, he looks a little bit yeah. like this one chess player. I can never remember his name off the top of my head. But, um, Bobby Fisher. No, but, he's <laughs> <laughs> one of the reasons why I subscribe to that fact is the fact that his name is Fard as opposed to Ford, and and there's an author that that sort of looked into this and describes this, and he sort of says, you know, like Fard is a common like surname in Pakistan, and like a lot of this sort of seems to add up that he is either himself from Pakistan or the descendant of like somebody who was from pakistan so he essentially said like his he was the american version of going over there and being like my name's john smith sultan khan by the way is his name well it was just sort of like the fact that he came on the scene and and he he was like sort of selling this like story I mean, of the black generic, nationalism the, the, the generic name part of it though like they'd be like me yeah being, but, my name's but, john smith but, but he also sort of describes himself as being black, which also goes into some of the things that, like, um, that, that Malcolm X and Elijah Muhammad would, like, mention in some of their speeches about how the, the predecessor race, like, that they had, like, straight hair, um, the, these, like, the, the, the pure people of the tribe of Shabazz. Because, like, the tribe of Shabazz was, like, this, like, pan-African like sort of civilization that existed throughout the Middle East and Africa and that white people were the product of this like insane like sort of project of of Yakub. Which is why they call like white people Yakubian devils, because he attempted to breed this like sort of other race that would rule over black people. Yeah. And yeah. like his idea of this race, which I mentioned before, is sort of like an orc camp. It, it's just sort of like this like camp of brutality and degradation that eventually created this white race that would eventually subsume the, the tribe of Shabazz that was created by, by Jacob. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he sort of sold that as being like why you're in this situation. Okay. Good God. So eventually what happens is... In, in 1933, in 1932, um, he begins to fade from public life due to sort of like these issues he's having with authorities. Yeah, this isn't the time to really stick out and like be the leader of black people in this, in this country. Right, parenthetically, it also, it, it is for somebody who's trying to get a movement together. Yeah, like... Like yeah, if I mean, you're gonna if like, you're gonna rise up, out. like this is the this is the vacuum to rise up in. That's what I mean. And this Time. sort of follows. It's a catch twenty two. Sort of follows like Garveyism. I mean, and, this is one hundred percent the time to do it, 
but it's dangerous. you don't want to be the person that is on the FBI's fucking radar in those days. <laughs> you don't want <laughs> No, no, no. No, honestly, uh, let's just go with you don't want to be the person who's on the FBI's fucking radar. And okay. let's end the sentence. <laughs> okay, we'll right. just end the sentence right there. <laughs> but I feel like I get you. I, being a questionably potentially black guy in the '30s is also not a place you want to be on the FBI's radar. <laughs> uh, and I say potentially black because we just don't know. Right. Eventually, what happens in 1932 is a member of the Nation of Islam named James L. Smith um, commits a murder. Um, and what Smith does Murder. is is he killed a man named Robert Harris on a makeshift altar um, as, as sort of like a human sacrifice. What? Um, and, and he claims this is about, like, um, based on the beliefs of the Nation of Islam and sort of like sacrificing and destroying devils. Wait, so he committed a human sacrifice and he tried to blame it on the Nation of Islam? Yeah, like he says, like, like his reasoning for doing it was based on the teachings of the Nation of Islam. He doesn't ex- he doesn't exactly say like I did this because the Nation of Islam told me to. He says like I did this due to my personal beliefs that are based on the teachings of the Nation of Islam. God, why does this sound so familiar? God, I feel like there's some parallels. And eventually, this this was apparently done due to lessons on the sacrificing of devils. Okay. Um, okay. So, so eventually, Ford and a member named uh, Yugan Ali are arrested and questioned on the matter. Okay. Um, and Ali is is quoted in the Detroit News as saying, "The society cannot be blamed for anything he did on November twenty third, nineteen thirty two." How do you question people like that, though? Like, do you believe in devils? Do you believe in devils? Is that what you really believe? Do you believe and, that they're here? Are they here right now? Are they sitting here? Are they looking at you? Are they talking to you right now? What are they saying? And he said, I think Harris you treat them no exactly standing. the same way you just said. Like, how do you how do you quit? Yes, I believe in devils. Uh, right Remember now, earlier when I was telling you guys before the podcast that I don't watch religion documentaries or anything? Like, it's the same fucking reason, bro. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I just want to make sure it wasn't as crazy as it sounded to me in my head. What's his name? What does he sound like? Yeah. Is he like high pitched or is he like hello? Like what does he do? How does he talk? Can you say high pitched again, please? High pitched? Like <laughs> sound like high pitch Eric. <laughs> oh, you know Wally's for him, Hama. His name, is it more like a you know how I feel? Or is it like a Beelzebub? <laughs> I don't know how I feel about this thing. <laughs> uh, I feel that the white devil is trying to be famous. <laughs> Like fucking Towley. Yeah. <laughs> he eventually said um, Harris had no standing in the order and was not regarded as the leader. Many people avoided him because of the wild things he sometimes said. Um, okay. Harris would eventually like what? Um, be declared just just about like the sacrificing of, of quote unquote devils, which I assume means white people. Right, which meant he talked about Jewish space lasers. He talked about yeah. No, Volt, see, Alter you don't understand, Ryan. He had the full MTG Look, dude, like salvo. If you're white, you can say that stuff. She is. That's not. Listen, that's not mentally unhinged. She's. That's just alternative facts. That's all it is, dude. She is the <laughs> ultimate example that. If anyone there's, if anyone ever says to you that racism doesn't exist anymore, you just point at her fucking stupid, fucking CrossFit head. <laughs> Fuck her, her. Her cross bang. Her her cross 
her CrossFit banging head. The Christian, <laughs> the Christian right GOP member who cheated on Which, her husband, and her husband who knows her. Looks like who not just fighter. cheated, Steve. She cucked <laughs> she, her husband. Yeah, she cucked her own with husband with a fitness guru. Two, two of them. Two they of look them. Like yeah. fucking, and he knows about it. Goddamn Street Fighter. You look like not Blanca. Uh, who's the Russian well, guy? <laughs> my my favorite story out of all of this has been that Warren Brobart's father is possibly Stan Lane of the Midnight Express. Oh, oh my the, god! The, I, the, yes. the 80s wrestling oh duo. Oh my god! Because I heard that, like, I was crying. And, and apparently also the fact that like Jim Cornette denies it, but Jim Cornette has also said that he had discussions with Stan Lane about how, like, Stan Lane cannot go back to Florida due to, like, um, due, due to, like, tests for his, like, uh, parentage. Oh, no. Sounds like the test my mom used to threaten me with when I was a kid. I'd do something stupid, and she'd be like, Ryan, are you fucking retarded? We're gonna get you tested. Oh, my God, like, but, here we like, go. The, the perfect <laughs> thing of, like, a right-wing, like, insane person is that, like, they're in a paternity suit with a professional wrestler. <laughs> as to whether or not dude she's nuts man she's fucking nuts she, yeah, she like yeah, straight like, up she like straight up threatened that representative like literally yeah. like a like a WWE level like threat you know my my favorite part of her this thing this Sunday at Sacrifice that, yeah my, my favorite part of her thing is that at her restaurant they threw some oh, fundraiser and they had a whole, yeah, Warren Brobart, uh, and they had, like, a, a big thing of pulled pork, and they had cooked it, and they had oh, yeah, let it sit got in sick. room temperature overnight. <laughs> oh. So, like, all the people who ate it got, like, insane food poisoning. Uh, I can just hear <laughs> Fat Mike from No Effects saying advice for trichinosis. Zangief, uh. <laughs> <laughs> that's the guy Not who only... looks like Marjorie Taylor Greene is banging. Not only as respect to, to our Nation of Islam listeners are they eating the unclean animal, they're also <laughs> eating it after it's been sitting out in room temperature over the Just night. Just in a front, yeah, in a front to uh, Elijah Muhammad. It's an so, affront to everybody. So eventually, <laughs> um, Fard um, and, a, and another leader of the movement, Ugan Ali, are arrested and questioned. Um, and Ali, like I said, is, uh, he sort of quotes that the society cannot be blamed for anything he did, and also that Harris had no standing in the order and was not regarded as a leader, and many people avoided him because of the wild things he sometimes said. Um, and, and like I said, Harris is eventually sort of declared um, guilty and in prison, um, but Fard and Ali are released. Yeah, they didn't uh, sacrifice somebody on an altar. Um. So, Fard eventually, when sort of questioned about these things, he would say that the teachings of his organization were dangerous, and, and he would sort of, like, he promised to use his influence to disband what was called the, the Allah Temple of Islam, which was one of sort of the temples of the Nation of Islam at that time. Okay. He also agreed to leave Detroit forever um, in order to receive immunity from any sort of charges against him, and he boarded a train bound for Chicago on December 7th, 1932. All right. Um, the, the, the Allah Temple of Islam was disbanded, um, but the Nation of Islam still con um, still continued to grow. Um, yeah, because it, made, far, because it made money. 
Yeah, and Ford would eventually, he would um, attempt to sneak into Detroit in January of 1933, uh, but he'd be identified by authorities um, in May of that year, and he would have to leave the city. Um, they didn't arrest him? They sh- exiled him? Like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, they, they sort of said, like, you can't be here anymore. This is this is back in those old days where you got run out of town. Like, if you're not out of town by midnight... <laughs> it's like a Florida, like a sunshine. It's fucking sundown town. Yeah. Sunshine. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I'd never, I, I had Rich- never heard of that when I moved here, and and I was told about it, and I was like, Nah, same. You got to be fucking kidding me. Like, is that serious? I remember laughing. Like, Actually, there's no in way. the 20th century. Really? Yes. I was like, get the fuck out of here. 50 years ago. There's no goddamn way. Nope. It's true here in Texas too. Uh, Texas still has them and, too. And then, and in April of 1934, you know, fuck you mean Texas like still has them. Texas but, still has sundown towns. Does it really? I don't think yes. they do. No, it's, yes. I don't it's think a they federal. It's a federal crime, yeah, okay, dude. Legally, you can't legally have fucking. Oh, uh, you're towns, well, you yeah, un- unofficial. You're saying like that's unofficial. Like, that's okay. like most towns in the South where you have like these gung ho like, like police forces. What are you doing in like, town? Yeah. Yeah. What What are you doing here? Like vacation? Yeah, I, How I many here, are sir? you? I, I live like two blocks away from here, sir. What nationality oh, oh. are you? <laughs> oh my god, did you see off topic, did you see when the Orlando cops pulled over the fucking district attorney? And she was like, What was the reason for the stop? And he goes, Oh, I ran your license plate, didn't come back to anything. And she goes, uh, Why'd you run my plate? Well, cops can't. I'm not against police being able to run plates whenever they want, but at the same time. Uh, it's still not it's not legal to do. You cannot just run plates just for the sake of running plates. And what happened is they saw a black woman in that car and they were like, Oh, hold on there, sister. <laughs> you did fifty six and a fifty five. Let me run your plate real quick. Oh, but, are you talking I about went, um, I, what's her name? Um shit, what the hell's her name? You talking about the state DA? But I would yes. I would I would uh, argue Aris, that that's like very Ayala. much the fact Yes, because they roll around in cars that if you run their plates will come back to nothing. It, there's just no record. So eventually what happens is, like I said, um, he's, he's not allowed back in Detroit. Um, he eventually sneaks back into Detroit in January of 1933, um, but he's identified by authorities. He's arrested in May of that year, and he's, he's arrested in order to leave the city. You know who he sounds like constantly coming back after he's been kicked out? My boy, who for a constantly is forgetting his keys everywhere he goes. <laughs> I don't know where I am. I'm in Detroit. Oh shit! I hate to leave. Sir, you've been kicked out of Detroit. I'm just here for my keys. I just I can't leave if I don't my have my keys, keys through my Toyota. You understand? You are a city of motor. You are a city of motor. You must understand. At least I lose my keys to my GM sedan. <laughs> I have so, the entirety, uh, the solution of communism in the backseat, and I need to drive it out of here. So, Fard goes back back and forth between Chicago and Detroit until April of 1934, and then Fard leaves Detroit for good. Um, and, and this sort of involves a leadership struggle that occurs between um, Elijah Muhammad and um, one of Fard's sons. Okay. Right, because um, eventually Elijah Muhammad gains control of the main form of the Nation of Islam, um, and um, sort of like when Far disappears, sort of the um, the the sort of teachings of the Nation of Islam is that Far departs the earth, um, 
via um, like supernatural means. Now, if I ask a member of the Nation of Islam that, if I can get close enough, um, without <laughs> Brother Mazon just capping me, um, is uh, are they gonna like say that's real? Well, I. I, I haven't found the measures like out in like writing, but I'm pretty sure what they mean is that he went up to what's called the mother plane or the mothership. Like you know how George Clinton and, and Parliament Funkadelic talks about the mothership? Yeah. Yeah. The mothership is relating to the nation of Islam and the mothership is essentially saying that the angels in the Bible, like when Jacob wrestles with an angel right. and like all that, the wheel within a wheel that is actually a UFO as we understand it. Nice. Okay, so they're and, a UFO. And Elijah, all, like you said. and Elijah Muhammad goes on to talk about this, and he also states, you know, like, these are sort of the instruments of God, and that they have abilities that we don't currently have. Like, he talks about how they have a missile. It, it's almost like um, Alpha Centauri, you know, the, uh, the civilization-like game Alpha Centauri. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that that takes place in the future, like in that you can get a missile that like causes like the land to raise or the land to lower. Like he sort of talks about that. Like you can like like the mothership has or the mother plane has this like missile that will cause the land to raise or the land to lower, and like it just goes into all this crazy like UFO stuff, and and it just sort of relates to sort of like what the nation of Islam becomes. Which is somewhere between like a UFO cult and just sort of like a crazy occult belief cult. Okay. Jesus. Because like, because like, remember how I talked about how where white people came from? Like that's one of their beliefs. Yeah. Yeah. Where where like they 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 were sort of pedded as like this like ultimate evil, and then they eventually escaped and enslaved like black people, and it sort of goes into sort of this like Afrocentric like, sort of hotep area, which is also really bad. Like, for instance, Afrocentrism is really bad because it sort of robs, you know, like, Native Americans of their culture and their history, for instance, because they'll say, like, statues in South America are not from South America. They'll say that they're created by Mansa Musa, and their logic for a while they'll claim, like... Masamune? You mean Montezuma? Like, no, Mansa Musa. And that Montezuma is actually Mansa Musa, the, the African sort of leader. And and the, the their logic and the claim of why this is true is that the statues have big noses and that, that apparently only black people have big noses as opposed to like indigenous peoples in South America who I will state as someone who also has a big nose also has big <laughs> noses. Like, if you look at, like, Evo Morales, who is, like, who is completely Native American, I will say, or mostly Native American, like, he has a big nose, I have a big nose, like, it is it is not something that is only within, like, black people. Yeah. But that's that that's sort of the logic, and, and the Nation of Islam uh, eventually goes on. Um, it doesn't have many members today. I, th I think around today that they have maybe like 10,000 members or something. One like of that. whom is Busta Rhymes and Rick Ross. Well, <laughs> well, some of them have, well, well, some rappers, um, were members of what was called five percenters yep. and, and five percenters were, were sort of like an offshoot 
of like the Moorish science movement, oh my God. which Moorish science is sort of a predecessor to the Nation of Islam. And like, for instance, um, Ghostface Killa was originally a member of the Five Percenters, and I believe he's moved fully over into Orthodox Islam. Okay. Yeah, because essentially it's just a bastardization. It's like the, um, the uh, what is it? Oh, man, I always forget the name of them. The young... In the Restless. No. <laughs> Fuck Victor. <laughs> uh, was Victor even on there? Was he on Bald and the Beautiful? I can't remember. He was on As the World Turns, I yes, think. Yes, As the, the World Turns. And I think the fact that we turns. can name this many daytime so Oh, and her name was Nikki. That was Nikki, man. The blonde chick who was always skeeving. That fucking ski food. I remember the old dude with white hair. That's who Steve, I remember the most for daytime soaps. What was the name of the... I think he was on General what Hospital. What was the name of the black... Was it the Black Israelites... That always are dig down the yeah. block here at Publix, screaming through a microphone, then nobody listens to them, and then they go home. Yeah, they're, they're I feel like the, the black, black Israelites are a little bit crazy. They're they're a little different from. Oh the, yeah, they're uh, definitely the they're definitely people. different. I mean, they're definitely different, but they're the crazy ones. Yeah, well, they're all crazy, dude. They're all just offshoots of yeah groups. You know, it's funny because you know you can kind of understand the group as an empowerment movement from a time period when the culture just wasn't there and the history wasn't there and they um, people probably needed a sense of belonging and a sense of power um which is what most people are craving even if they don't say it yeah that's um, that that's pretty much what i was saying is yeah. that like within a vacuum within the african-american community these sort of cults grow because they have no sort of cultural identity right. So these groups come in and tell them what their cultural identity is, and people glom on to it's it. So, so, mm-hmm. so bad. But it's also important. Yeah, it's, it's terrible. It's important. It's an important example of it to understand. So, yeah. I want to end this but because like, it's the, the fucking whole nation of Islam thing is very sad to me. I just find it. Well, it's sad. Well, it's also the fact too that like. It's not only the fact that it's sad that they're sort of, like, abusing these people. It's also the fact that the Nation of Islam is incredibly racist. Like, it's incredibly racist against, like, white people. Um, it's incredibly racist against Jewish people. Um, mm-hmm. Just, just, just like, all these groups. And, like, well, well, essentially what they believe is that all the other peoples on the earth are, who aren't black, are, are sort of like a bastardization of black people. Yeah. Yeah, and it's and it's just sort of like the fact that you're looking at other people on the earth. It's just sort of like a lesser version of yourself. Is is just sort of like, just like insane, and like disgusting, and like a whole like other environment. Yeah. Yep. Uh, In but, conclusion, <laughs> but but Wallace Fart Muhammad disappeared. We don't know anything about him. No one today has been able to find anything about him. It's believed that he might have possibly been um, an individual that the FBI pointed out um, as possibly being him. But that's also suspect because the FBI wanted to sort of discredit um, the Nation of Islam. Um, But um, it, it, it just sort of goes back to the thing. Of like, this is what happens when you have like a, a, a sort of vacuum, and right, just a lack of cultural history among a people. Um, that that people sort of seek out the, these sort of outliers and, and what we generally consider like cults or, or insane movements. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. And 
and Ambrose Pierce might have, you know, been killed by Pancho Villa. He's not important now. We're not going to talk about him. Mm-hmm. You say Aries Spears? No, Aries Spears the is alive. Aries Spears is alive, and he's still funny. <laughs> All I'm saying is that cracker ass cracker Ambrose Spears got what was coming. Uh, uh, oh my god. So that's it. That's our episode on people who ceased to be here when they should have been here and that we just so don't know important people who disappeared before 1945. Important people who disappeared who are not DB Cooper. Yes. Yep. They may have been killed. 1945. May have been killed. <laughs> the definition for kill by Ambrose Beers is to create a vacancy without nominating a successor. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. You're welcome. <laughs> and on that, good night. <laughs> good night. Good luck.